Good evening, you fantastic and glorious degenerates that we call this floating rock earth. Welcome to the Cajun Libertarian Live. I am your host, Noel O'Lynn, aka the Cajun Libertarian Live or the Cajun Libertarian. <laughs> uh, tonight we have on a very special guest again returning who is awesome in every respect james seniak he's running for senate in the great state of indiana and he's making absolutely massive waves why are libertarians making enormous waves in these elections and we aren't hearing about them hmm very good question and a very good question that needs answers so let's talk to james about his particular scenario going on and why he's making so much noise in Indiana about what he wants to do in the Senate of the United States to affect liberty at its greatest implementation that we can have tonight on the Cajun Libertarian Show. And we are live. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Cajun Libertarian Show. I'm your host, Noella Lynn, the Cajun Libertarian. Real quick, before we get into this amazing conversation with James Steniak, which I promise you will be fantastic, uh, let's go over one of the sponsors of the show. That sponsor, I am wearing their shirt right now. It says, if you're not watching live and you don't watch the video later it says print guns not money that shirt is from dsydo.com it is a libertarian owned t-shirt company with designs intended to start a conversation use code cajun15 that's c a j u n 15 for 15% off of your order at dsydo.com that's dsydo.com get your shirts y'all like for real there's a great freaking uh selection of a wide variety of shirts i love this website i kid you not i have a ton of shirts from them love them very much now without further ado let's bring on james the man of the hour thanks Cajun, for having me on really appreciate it appreciate being with your viewers i absolutely love that shirt because it's everything my campaign stands for uh when we're talking about inflation you can it all goes down to printing money, right? And then, of course, protecting our Second Amendment rights, which our senator in Indiana, as a Republican, voted against protecting the Second Amendment rights, voted for red flag laws. So that that shirt is perfect. I want to buy one so I can wear it here in Indiana. That, that's awesome. You jumped right into it. That's freaking fantastic. Yeah, DYSDO.com. Uh, go check them out. They have a, an enormous variety of T-shirts, not to plug them again. But uh, I, look, I, I've... I've been through a lot of t-shirt companies. I've looked for a lot of t-shirts. Uh, this is the one that I found that has absolutely a wide variety of shirts that will help start a conversation. It's, it's quite incredible. So let's talk about uh, what you've got going on in Indiana. You were in a debate. You were then notified that you won't be allowed to the second debate. Now, let's let's shelf that for a second. 
right? Because I really want to dive into that. And I think everybody listening really wants to hear about it because, wow, is that amazing. Uh, first off, let's talk about you literally have a written plan for vet care for veterans, which I am one of a people that is literally offing themselves on the daily in astronomical rates. What are we going to do about this, James? I know you have an answer. Please tell us. Yeah. So when I was looking at different issues that aren't being addressed and look, the Republicans and the Democrats have failed on this subject. And I said, we as libertarians have to stand up and be for something. And, and we have to be for our veterans and we have to stand up for their care. And you're right. When we talk about suicide rates, when we talk about homeless rates. And when we look at our care for our veterans, the VA office has failed and Washington, D.C. has failed. So one of the things I've really been promoting in Indiana is my vet care plan. Uh, when I So I'll start with the very first story. I, I was still bartending when I first announced that I was running for U.S. Senate. And this individual comes into the bar and he's like, I just heard you announced, but I want to know what are you going to do for me? And I, I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, as a veteran, what are you going to do for me? And I, I looked at him and I said, you know, well, if these are the policies I really like. And, and I've leaned them towards what I thought would be veteran issues. And he said, look, James, those are all good things. And I'm not discrediting you, but I want to know what you're going to do for veterans. And this was a real learning moment curve in my, my campaign. I realized I'm not going to have immediate answers for every single issue. Right. But what I can do is listen to my constituents. And so uh, this individual said, typically veterans don't like uh, living in metro areas. And that's where all the VA offices are. He said, often the, the red tape's too long, the lines are too long, and we've got to get better care. So I took this concern back to my team and I said, we need to do something for veterans and we need a real plan that actually solves the issues that they're facing. And so with that, uh, we right. came up with what I call vet care. And so vet care works very similar to health savings account. And what it does is it takes funding from the VA. So it doesn't even, uh, it won't raise taxes because it doesn't increase the spending for VA. It, what it does is it's a, it's a lateral move. And with this lateral move, we put that funding into the veteran's uh, personal care account. And so within that personal care account, they can now go to whatever physician best meets their needs. So if they have a certain medical issue, they can choose that physician. And then they can also choose whatever location is most convenient for them. So this account sets that all up. It gives them immediate care. And there's many other things that go along with vet care, such as my long-term uh, care plan, which utilizes, uh, takes out the red tape. And so for veterans, they can go to their physician, their physician can fill out one form, and they can actually get some of that funding for the long-term needs. And then additional, additionally, I also look at some of the other issues with veterans. And one of those is, I don't have a fancy name for it yet, so I'm kind of trying to figure out a different name for it. But uh, it's basically a reverse boot camp. And we teach our kids, 18-year-olds, how to become soldiers, and we send them overseas. But the reality is, is yeah. as I was talking to veterans, um, when they come back to civilian life, they go through maybe one or two classes, very little success to help them actually set up a, a success plan for their civilian life. So that's what I want to create a success plan for each veteran coming home so that they can have a, a good occupation that best fits whatever their um, skill set is. And also just looking at their mental health care and looking at that PTSD and through that vet care portion, immediately getting them, them that mental health. And so all around, I believe this is what we need for veterans in Washington, D.C. Completely agree. 
Completely agree. Um, also, I think we have to go a step further, and and this is something that you could help us out with in the Senate, or maybe you can't at this point. Who who freaking knows, right? <laughs> like, how on earth? How, how do we stop this hemorrhaging of world police, American soldiers? Right? You've got these politicians. I don't ever have to be held accountable for war, but yet we send our, and me as a veteran, this is so important to me, what James is saying. Uh, how on earth, because if we can stop doing what we've been doing, then there will be a less need for something like the Vet Care Act, even though that's highly important, obviously, and we should implement that immediately, and that's a very good protocol system that you've got set up you've got in place you've got ready to roll out the minute you get into congress but we can also help address this issue by stop sending people to war how on earth can we can can we do this well the best way to take care of veterans is to stop making veterans and and what we mean by that is we we need to stop being the world's police we need to look at right. why we're going to war and the issues. And Ukraine comes up a lot right now. China comes up. And these are very real issues that are happening. But like you said, where what is our role in the world? Is it to be the world police? And uh, from a very genuine point, I, I like to point out that most of my lifetime, we have been in some form of war. And my exactly. Is, is very wore out by it. We're tired of seeing our brothers and sisters come home with PTSD. We're so tired of Amen. seeing the homeless rates. We're tired of seeing the mental uh, fatigue that comes with the soldiers coming home. And so really, when we look at these issues, um, we're bringing the war home with these soldiers and, and it's concerning. And I look at the senator from Indiana, the current incumbent, who... Uh, on the Ukraine issue, right? So we're talking Russia, Ukraine. We're talking yeah. a nuclear superpower. Within the first two weeks, he said, we need to put boots on the ground. And I look at this stance and, and I say, Washington has such a, is is not even in touch with everyday Hoosiers, with everyday Americans, who are the ones that are going to go to war if, if we decide to. And before we make any decision that is of this great consequence, we have to look at a lot of different things, including diplomatic solutions. And we've lost the art of diplomacy, right? So diplomacy yeah. is that idea that we don't have to uh, act on war. We can actually look at solutions that, that pursue peace instead. And sometimes that's coming together with neighbors that we don't even uh, agree with uh, for the most part, but we can still put pressure on Russia through these neighbors. So there's a lot of diplomatic solutions that we can look at first and foremost. And as Senator, that's what I want to promote. Amen. I love it. I love this comment, too. If we don't send them out, we don't have to worry about how to bring them home. I mean, this exactly. is simple math, people. What are we doing? You've got the vast majority of people in this country saying we are sick of war. We're sick of sending our boys and girls overseas to fight for these bloodthirsty, disgusting, warmongering politicians that are just in it for blood money. So can we stop this, please? So th that's a great segue into my next question, James. We, I, I think I pretty well know the answer, but uh, I, I want everyone else to hear it, right? What it, 
what is your position on what we're doing in regards to this Ukraine-Russian war? Because in my personal opinion, it looks like to me that we're continually uh, are escalating this and intentionally. What are we doing? Well, that's just the problem that, that you just stated, right? We're continually escalating it. We're not looking at peaceful resolutions. And uh, the reality is, is we're going to end up in another world war if, if we continue down the path that we're going down. But the reality is, is war doesn't have to be that iceberg that the Titanic sinks on. There are ways to steer around war. And again, diplomacy, right? So we can look right. at other nations that we don't even agree with. But if we could put pressure onto Russia and say, this isn't the right move, this isn't what you're, you want because of this, this, and this, and the consequences are going to far outweigh whatever pros you think you're getting in Ukraine. And when we put that kind of pressure on you, uh, on Russia with that specific uh, neighbors, and we have to, we do have to go to our global neighbors and say, we need to put this pressure on. So really, what can we do? Can we even negotiate with China to say, look, our best interest right now is to not have Russia go into Ukraine. And with that kind of pressure, we can have results. And again, diplomacy, I, 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 it's a lost art. We, as Americans, are tired of immediately going to war, tired of being the world's police. We have to do better at coming to the table with our world neighbors. Uh, we don't have to be that Titanic that sinks in the ocean. We can't avoid war. And not just that. I think it's absolutely freaking paramount. And that's why it's so frustrating to watch president after president. And I'll give credit where credit's due. Okay, Trump didn't get us into another war. That That, that is technically true. So I'll give him that credit. Although uh, he funded the, the genocide in Yemen. He uh, actively escalated the war in Syria. He, he got he got his inches close to a war in Iran. So that credit is very limited. But yes, he didn't technically get us into a, another war as all the presidents before him. However, we run right back into the same situation with this administration where they're escalating war to no end and so i i don't see how this is sustainable uh that that's a good comment i want to say that right there uh trump trump drone bombed more children than obama that will need to be fact checked but i'm not going to doubt it right we, we just habitually president after president senate congress after congress and senate we continue to do the same things over and over where we escalate and we continue to involve ourselves, like you said, as the world police, and I'm sick of it. How how can we, as a, I know Senate has some power, right? The Congress has some power. How, how do we stop this? I, I don't have an answer, man. Well, one of the first things is, as a senator, we have to take the act of war back into the Senate's hand. And any act of war, That's right. including, I, I believe, including drones, including just a simple bomb, um, these things, they need to be decided by the Senate. And uh, when we really take that power back in the Senate, uh, I, I believe that voices like mine will promote peace 
and will actually uh, reduce our involvement overseas. But the problem is, is right now we're making uh, unilateral, you know, uh, one person's deciding this. So the president and his team is deciding this without coming to legislation. Um, we look at it overseas. We, we don't communicate. We don't uh take it back to who really should have that power of war and who better knows it than everyday Hoosiers who are the veterans, who are the ones seeing their families and communities come home. And continually these individuals say, look, James, we're, we're tired of war. We're, we're wanting peaceful solutions. We want diplomatic yeah. solutions. And when they see that cost of war, when it's their brother or sister that comes home and sometimes they don't even come home, it's, it ends up being a casket. And that's the devastation of war. Uh, we, we, we like to be distant from it. We, you know, occasionally watch it on the news, but the reality is, is none of us want to see a bomb in our backyard, but the reality is, is that that's what's happening overseas. And that's what we continually being involved in as America. And we, we have to stop it now. Uh, it's, it's escalating to be too large and the cost is too great. Yeah. It looks like we're, um, fast tracking world war three, to be honest, that's just my personal perspective. Um, I'm not a foreign policy expert. I try to stay away from foreign policy because as a veteran, I full well know that even as somebody with boots on the ground, uh, you can have all the Intel that you're supplied with and you're still very, very much insufficiently informed on what, is actually happening on the ground. Uh, the first casualty of war is truth. So remember that, y'all. When you're watching this situation be escalated from all sides, understand that uh, your Ukrainian government, they're lying. The Russian government, they're lying. The U.S. government, they're lying. So, you know, pick your poison, people. That being said, I want to uh, ask you, what happened because this is a this is a remarkable situation to me and i i say that kind of tongue-in-cheek because it happens all the time i want to read two comments here from kenneth and then get your uh get your analysis on it so let me get through the let me get through both comments before you uh address it the first all one right. is here if you want to see james included in the second statewide debate send an email to fox 59 news at fox59.com and news at cbs for the number four indie.com. So news at cbs uh, number four indy.com. Send that, send your email there. And the other one is fox numbers five nine news at fox59.com. And here's the second quote. First statewide James was recognized by public broadcasting C-SPAN, the Indiana Debate Commission, and was streamed on exactly the same channels owned by Nexstar Media Group Incorporated that is excluding him from the second debate. So please, y'all, go back and look at those websites to send mass amounts of emails to to get James included on the second debate. Now, James, tell us why 
What, okay, let me say it like this. What happened in the first debate to get you exiled from the second one? I think I know the answer, but I really want some like details on this. So uh, thank you to the Indiana Debate Commission who hosted the first debate. And they have always included everybody that's on the ballot. So that's not just libertarians, but any third party who manages to be on the ballot will be included. And, and the Indiana Debate Commission has worked hard, uh, I believe it's over 20 years now, to make sure that we have a fair democracy and that voters actually know who's on their ballot. So first, thank you to that. And that was the one who hosted the first debate. Uh, they actually wanted to host three debates. So this is a little bit of the background of the Senate debates. And Todd Young came out and he said, which is the Republican incumbent, and said, I will only do one official debate. Meanwhile, he's working on a second debate behind the scenes with Fox 59, who he knows will exclude me. And so basically what they did is they said, OK, we'll do one official, but we're going to go to our preferred media and exclude the libertarian because he's calling us out on inflation. Uh, he He's looking at my spending habits. He's calling me out on the Second Amendment. And these are all important issues to Hoosier voters. And the more that they hear him, uh, the more that the truth will come out. So his his preferred method, instead of having two real debates, was to go to a preferred media that will exclude me. Now, the reason Fox 59 excluded me is they claim that they have certain criteria to be on their debate stage. And the, the they have a whole list of criteria. But if you look at that specific criteria, I meet every single one except one. And the interesting thing about this one is that um, they didn't know where I stood because the finance report had not come out yet. So the finance report says I had to raise over $50,000 to be on, on that stage. Now, given we had not had a finance report in a quarter. So in a quarter, you can raise a lot of money. And they had no idea how much I raised or didn't raise when they decided to exclude me. So their very their number one reason for excluding me was money, and they had no idea how much I actually raised. So, with that being said, uh, I, I believe Fox fifty nine is a, a legitimate news source, and why? Because they don't want the, they do not want people to hear everybody that's on the ballot. And then secondly, they didn't even look at the facts initially, and then uh, third, they right. refused to allow or they. They buy into the fact that they believe elections can be bought. So the fact that you can can or cannot raise a certain amount matters to them because they believe that elections should be bought and that that reason alone wow. uh, is enough to exclude somebody from the ballot or from the debate stage. So uh, hold on now. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. And obviously you're spot on. But why? You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like, like really why? And we all know the answer, but it needs to be said. Because the truth hurts the two party system. Um, the truth. That's right. <laughs> no matter which side you're on is not favorable to the Republicans and Democrats. And in this case, it's very unfavorable to the Republicans. It's unfavorable to have somebody point out the spending that our Republican incumbent spent more than Bernie Sanders. Uh, it's uncomfortable to be Jeez. called out and say that the Republican incumbent promoted red flag laws that uh, uh, are going to be misused and without due process, take away Hoosiers rights to their guns. And so these things are, are just facts. And in the first debate, uh, yep. uh, civilly, I pointed some of these things out. 
I probably should have gotten a little bit more gloves off because that's how debates are. But the reality is, is I wanted uh, Hoosiers to see a different kind of politician, someone who could be civil and someone who could actually point to solutions. And if you listen to what I said in that first debate, uh, interestingly enough, Todd Young uh, pointed to the fact that inflation and his spending habits was just because of COVID. Well, the reality is, is he had just passed the CHIP Act, which is a socialism program in the first place. And when you look at the CHIP Act, the idea is, is, is that it helps us very certain uh, part of uh, already lucrative industry with Hoosiers taxpaying money. And, and they don't like those kind of things pointed out. They don't like to be pointed out when a socialism program is called just that, a socialist program. And so uh, th this, this is just a way to suppress voices. And it's a way to tell voters that we're not legitimate, which is their only strategy. If they say we can't win and they and they force media to shut us down, uh, that's how it looks to voters. But we we are still getting our message across and something super exciting. So that debate is happening Monday night and something super exciting is happening in the works. Uh, I won't mention any names, but on Monday night, it's looking like I'm going to go on a national interview, which will actually have a broader audience than even that debate. So uh, I'm super looking forward to that. Looking forward to uh, a friendly national voice that will be able to put out my message. So there are good things that are happening. And Fox 59, I, I believe, made the wrong decision in this case. Yeah, uh, yeah, obviously. Let me uh, let me address something real quick because I, I held on to this a little bit. I want to talk to you about it first. Uh, and, and this is for everyone listening later. Because there's a lot of people that are going to listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and basically anywhere you get your podcasts. FYI, shameless plug, please go subscribe to my YouTube channel, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, all that. Leave me a five-star review. Even if you hate me, you still love <laughs> my guests. Awesome. Please help us out to get this message going. And here's one massive freaking reason why Scientific Libertarian 2.0 says, got a link for the first debate? I'm kind of a debate crackhead right now. Newsflash, everyone is because it's making waves. And then Kenneth Fitzlaff, of course, who is an absolute gang member when it comes to uh, volunteer, volunteer work and spreading the message. He gives us all of right there where James has absolutely crushed it. So if you're listening later on these apps, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, basically anywhere you get your podcast, please subscribe, YouTube, all that. Uh, then go and come back and find this link. And it's going to, going to be on my big Facebook page that has about uh, close to 27,000 followers, I think, the uh, <clears throat> Cajun Libertarian. And check out this comment to... Which in which you can listen to said debate, and we got to figure out a way to get you into the second debate, uh, <laughs> James. Even if they're not going to let you, look, oh, it, I, I'm rabbit, I'm rabbit holing here. I'm sorry. No, you good, people. No. There's a freaking reason that he was in the first debate, and they won't let him in the second. That should be all the reason in the world for you to want to go and find out well, what in the hell happened. Why did he, what did he say 
that disrupted their corporate media process and their propaganda for the two-party system so much so that they were afraid and so much full of fear to not even let him on the second debate stage, which we will actively work against and try to get you on anyway. But like you said, you have some delicious news coming soon. Uh, You didn't want to name drop, which (laughs) I respect, but so, man, like, oh, name drop, dude. Name drop, (laughs) tell us who you're going on. But I get it. I respect it. So um, let us know uh, exactly when and where we can find your next. Apparently, what you're telling me is it's a major, uh, a, a really big asset in being able to being able to uh, spread that message. Give us that in exactly what you're going to be talking or maybe not exactly, but give us a, you know, give us a, a tease about what you're going to be talking about. Yeah, so I'm actually checking my email just to see if I can announce it yet because we're waiting on uh, some minor things to confirm it. But it looks like this specific producer, she reached out to me today and said, we want you on next week. And um, how does your next week look? And she's like, we're either going to have you on Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, we believe that you're one of the voices in the Libertarian Party that uh, we really can promote. So on the national level, I, I get this phone call super excited about it and it turns out that they want to do it monday night which is the exact same time as the um the fox 59 debate so interestingly enough i'm going to actually be in the probably a very close studio to where that's happening and we're going to go on to this program and basically just have an interview but i'll be able to reach a much broader uh audience than even the uh debate on fox 59 and with that broader audience, I believe that my message will get out there to Hoosiers and they, they can hear that alternative. But then in addition to that, immediately after I'm driving immediately home, coming to this studio, and then we're going to have a full response to every single question that was asked in that debate so that um, people can see me on national television anywhere in the U.S. should be able to watch me. And then they can come home. They can see my answers that are specific to the second debate so that even when they're trying to exclude me more voices will end up hearing my answers to those questions just because of the attention that we're going to get. Uh, I hope I can name drop soon, but I want to make sure that we, we get this uh, set before any of that goes out. So I'm absolutely thrilled that they reached out to me and wanted to do this interview. Um, but it's definitely going to be announced soon. So keep watching my Twitter and keep watching my Facebook for that exciting news. That's awesome. Uh, I'm going to place my bet now. I promise all of you, I have no idea what James is talking about. I really don't, <laughs> but I'm placing my bet on Kennedy Fox business. And there it is. That's my bet. I have no idea. It's probably well, completely wrong. But well, go ahead in your comments. If anybody wants to take a guess, uh, feel free to guess and then we'll confirm yeah. it when we can. So, so I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I hope to be able to share that real soon. Again, we're just waiting on one final confirmation. Um, it looks like on the national level, I'm set, but we're trying to get the studio to agree here to um, be able to actually put it in the studio. So, so working on that you, I, final detail. Okay, let me let me do this. Let me do this real quick. Um, I'll tell you what. Everybody, place your bets in the comments 
of what national program that James Seniak is going to be going on. And whoever guesses correctly, uh, I, I will personally send you an item of something of mine uh, that is libertarian-oriented, or more importantly, liberty-minded. I will personally pay for and send you uh, a specific item that I personally own if you get the exact organization correct on which James is going to be on. So place your bets in the comments. I'm going to take a a slight dig and say, uh, if I'm the one guessing, you don't send me any LSU things because as much as you're amazing, your team choice right there with LSU, I just can't back it. I apologize, but facts are facts. And, and, you know, I got to stick with my team. Notre Dame. Go, go, go Tigers, by the way. And no, you're not allowed to vote. And if you were, I would still send you LSU content just because of that ridiculous nonsense you just said. So let's uh, – we, we only have a couple of minutes left here. Let me ask you this. Obviously, the biggest uh, – there's two hot topics of the day. One is Ukraine uh, and our support there. And the other is something that actually doesn't have to do with the Senate. And a lot of people don't know that. Um, they, they believe that when they go to the same thing with abortion, they believe that when they go to the polls in November, they're going to be voting on abortion and they're going to be voting on child vaccination mandates. Neither was at all. Okay. Let's put that out there. Let's be real clear. But, however, both of those things are extremely popular in political rhetoric. Now, personally, I'll stay away from the abortion debate because it's extraordinarily complicated, very convoluted, with all sorts of misinformation, and, and, and it's just so toxic. And, and so I really appreciate to stay away from that because... It's really tough, and that, that's something that needs to be decided in the trenches, you know, amongst each household, in my opinion, to a certain degree. But when it comes to the vaccination, the specifically the COVID uh, vaccination mandate for kids, is there anything that you can do to help your state uh, legislature to combat this? Because I... Correct me if I'm wrong here. I personally believe that you're absolutely 100% anti-mandate against the uh, vaccination of it, for anything for anybody, but more specifically for the for COVID uh, with the vaccination for kids to go to school. Is there? Correct me if I'm wrong. There, uh, I'm pretty sure that you are anti-mandate. If you're not, let me know. I'm pretty <laughs> sure you are, <laughs> but. Is there anything that you can do as a sitting senator? God bless that you become said senator. Um, is there anything you can do to help the, the state legislature combat this absolute medical tyranny? Medical freedom is a big platform for you. And this is probably one of the biggest things to rain down uh, since they were knocked down for the, um, you know, 100 employees or more getting vaccinated. What? What can you do about this, if anything? 
So this is a great question. And the reality is, is I always have pushed that politicians should not act as physicians. And uh, the reality is, is the main thing that we can do on the Senate level is have a strong voice for freedom, including medical freedom. And, and this is something that's really important to me. And that's why I put it in one of my top three planks of what I'll be promoting in Washington, D.C. And so with that, I, I really do look for a, a medical freedom act that we can uh, push for politicians to stay out of uh, legislation and, and out of um, specifically even vaccination. So let's look a little bit at that. And for example, um, something that that did happen was the federal government, uh, the senators tried to legislate that federal employees would be required to take a vaccination. And at this time, it wasn't even FDA approved. So if you actually look, they're trying to mandate something that's not even FDA approved. Uh, we can argue whether FDA has any meaning or not, but but the facts are uh, when we claim to follow science and we're not at all, the, there's a double standard there. But my my senator did vote for this, and it's absolutely ridiculous. So we have to be a strong voice for these freedoms. And you're you're right; it is a local issue. That uh, so what happens is the CDC will put it in their recommendation, and then with Indiana's. Um, legislator, they, they, so they already prevent the government um, from asking about COVID vax, but we have to have a strong voice to make sure that those laws don't change and that the protections are there for our children, because really the ones who are making these decisions should be the physician along with the parents, and they should do what they believe is absolutely best for their child. Uh, that's something the government needs to stay out of. So on the federal level, my voice is always going to be say, look, I stand for parents' rights. I stand for medical freedom. And I will do everything within my power to make sure that on the state level, we're influencing the state legislation in a positive way to protect those freedoms. And I believe I can get enough voices within Indiana to also protect those. Uh, it, it's a very real concern, right? So if the government yeah. can mandate the medical decisions for your children uh, th that takes away your freedoms and takes your rights and those are those rights are not something that the government gives you there's something that you're born with your freedoms are yours and it's important to let the government know that it's important to tell them these rights aren't granted by you they're my rights the my my body and and i have the right to make these decisions for my kids based on the knowledge that I have, based on uh, the science that I have and, and what's available to me at this time. And so we definitely need to uh, elect on the federal level, but also look at your local elections and look for freedom-minded individuals on the state level who I believe I will be able to work with uh, Republicans and Democrats, but also I have great statewide candidate or um, great candidates running in Indiana for state le state legislation that I can work with. So if we get those voices elected as a senator, uh, my voice becomes less important and those voices on the state level will promote those freedoms. Uh, but together we can do this and we can ensure that medical freedom remains a thing um, in America. And, and part of the foundation of America is that freedom. Yeah, indeed. We have to, uh, we have to get back to this, and look, it's very, very freaking concerning to me. Uh, concerning is dumbing it down 
to the lowest bottom of the barrel. I'm very alarmed that we're even having this discussion. Like, this is psychotic, what we're talking about. It's the same thing when it comes to uh, federal legislation against cannabis. That's going to be something that's absolutely within your realm of possibility when you get there. What are we doing? We, we it, it seems like both sides continue to vocally activate for you know, legislation or, or rules or bans or laws or it just keep you know we just keep stacking laws on laws on laws. It's ridiculous. But we're still now fighting at a federal level, which I think should be a state level, which I think shouldn't be an absolute conversation at all when it comes to cannabis possession and cannabis use. Um, we're seeing the, the Biden administration basically gaslight the United States of America saying, uh, I'm going to sign this law saying the, uh, we're going to pardon all simple possession marijuana charges on a federal level. Uh, last time I checked, nobody is in the federal penitentiary for simple marijuana possession. So That's going to actually affect nobody. Am I wrong? No, I, I believe it's like 6,900 people. And, and when you look at the statistics, it's for simple bad. possession. And so simple possession, basically the only way to get a federal simple possession is uh, say you got caught in an airport or uh, certain areas, it, but it's very rare. And the reality is, is it really doesn't pardon anybody. So um, this is meaningless rhetoric that doesn't leave significant change. And we have to look at what's going to actually have significant change for Hoosiers and for Americans. And so uh, Biden, this is just his way to show midterm love to uh, some of the ones who are promoting cannabis. And we should be promoting cannabis because right now more Americans can get it legally than not. But you also look at uh, the stats on it and you look at what's happening with bank regulation and we need change on the federal level, but it's really not that difficult. Biden could do it today if he really wanted. If he was serious about any of these changes, all he has to do is take it off the schedule. And that's an administration move. That's not even, uh, that doesn't have to go through the Senate. It doesn't have to go through Congress. <laughs> it's an administration move that Biden, if he was serious on this issue, could make today. Now, the other, we could do it through legislation as well. And we saw that through the MORE Act, which passed Congress, by the way. Uh, I was I was very pessimistic all along because I said the Senate's not going to take a serious look. And it, it turns out I'm right. They didn't take a serious look on this issue. Uh, because they want to continue to use it for rhetoric. Uh, but the reality is, is we could pass something like the MORE Act that protects banks and, and does allow it legally uh, across the United States. So there's very real solutions, but our politicians aren't talking about those. Instead, they want you to focus on something that pardons barely, barely anybody and say, oh, good job. Great job. You actually followed through. Right. But the reality is they did nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It does nothing. And uh, I, I'm, <laughs> yeah, look, I was just rambling down the hole at the pop house. I, you know, I, I somewhat kind of apologize for, for that. <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, get, didn't give you any sort of heads up. But it's just it rattled off the top of my brain. It's like, yeah, these people are falling for this nonsense. And we habitually continue to fall 
for this, and I say we loosely, most of the people in this audience that will watch this show are fully informed and know farewell, uh, or I'm sorry, full well, that this is this will amount to absolutely nothing. And so, I, you know, it's just a frustrating point that I had to um, to to highlight as far as you and and what you're doing inside of the state of Indiana. You and a, a Democrat have kind of actually paired up against a Republican. I, I say that loosely <laughs> because that's not like exactly real, but you guys are kind of working together and doing some really strong work in exposing what the current Republican administration in your state is actually doing. What well, happened? How were you able to uh, to go through that? I mean, I, I like to touch the point as a libertarian, we're in a unique opportunity to be able to work across the aisle on freedom-minded issues. And uh, a lot of times in, in re- Indiana, which is a very red state, we forget that Democrats actually do like freedoms on certain issues. Typically, they're good on First Amendment rights. Uh, not always, but but they can be. And then also, you know, on the Republican side, there's many freedom-minded issues that I can work with as well. But right now we have a senator that's the complete opposite of a freedom-minded candidate. That's right. And so uh, on the Democratic side, I I don't agree with, I would say, 90% of his policies, but he is promoting cannabis and he is promoting a couple freedom-minded issues. And and so interestingly enough, we've we've gone on the campaign trail uh, together and we just happen to go to a lot of the similar events and including the debates and and i i don't know what his game play is i mean i can guess that he thinks i'm going to take votes from the right but the reality is is we don't take votes we earn votes and if that's the right left and the right don't want their votes stolen then they need to run better candidates that's uh, right so, <laughs> so he he probably has a little bit of his strategy but interestingly enough we've had civil conversations where we can come to the table and say hey this is where we agree and interestingly enough We've had enough of these that he actually invited me uh, on his podcast. So I'll be on his podcast Tuesday morning and we're just going to sit down and talk. We made a gentleman's agreement not to attack each other on that specific show. Uh, And and I have put out on my Twitter and I have put on my Facebook the things I do disagree with him on. So it's not like I'm not running against him. But I also recognize if we want to get things done, especially in the Senate level, we have to be able to work across the aisle. And I'm, I'm excited to work with him. Um, and even through this discussion on Tuesday morning, uh, we'll be able to discuss some things civilly and, and hopefully those things come to light for Hoosier voters. And really it's pointing out how terrible our current incumbent is and the fact that he's not freedom-minded on almost any issue. So, so definitely I think it's important to look for opportunities uh, where, where there are opportunities. And, and if we wanna be serious politicians, we will have to work with those who are not libertarians. Absolutely, 100%. This is a message to all of you out there that it does not matter what your ideological leaning presides in, be it conservative, uh, liberal. You know, We all have some sort of bias in at least every certain issue when it comes to the topic of politics. But make no mistake, when it comes to single-issue coalitions, what you're watching, right here, there we go, (laughs) what you're watching right here 
is a prime example if it, it does not matter what mascot that you represent. Single-issue coalitions matter, and they can affect real change in your state, and James is proving it in real time. James, we're running out of time, man. Give us your uh, give us your last little you know pitch and where we can follow you, where we can support you, uh, main concerns that you have that you want to fix. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I always appreciate being on this show and love the audience. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I, I'm ready to take an approach to Washington, D.C. that's not a typical approach. It's putting the public first. It's being a public servant. And I, I'm excited to put these policies forth, very real policies that we've rolled up that are all freedom-minded and that reduce the government involvement in individual life. As a libertarian, these principles are absolutely important to me. And I look forward to furthering the conversation. Sometimes uh, we want to further it yes. to a point where we lose touch, but we also have to make sure that we're uh, touching our base. And for me, that's Hoosier voters. So every policy I'm putting forth, I want to reach the Hoosier voter with a solid message that really, really reaches them in their concern points, whether that's inflation and how Washington's hurting their wallet, whether that's uh, their civil liberties and, and their gun rights, or whether that's just looking at ways we can better care for people, including veterans. And so those are all things I'm promoting within my race. I'm excited to uh, be on the Libertarian ticket and promote these principles because it's what I believe in and it's truly who I am. If you like what I'm doing in Indiana, uh, feel free to reach out. I would love to see this kind of uh, race replicated all across America. We have strategy and, and the way we are getting large press, by the way, we had a the largest newspaper write a whole article on my just my campaign. So we have strategies behind what we're doing. We're making sure we're doing the work. If you want to see that replicated, reach out as well. We do need donations because donations is what gives me that gas money to get across the state. It's what allows me to hmm. put up uh, banners. It, it's what allows me to make newspaper ads. So those are all important things. And into a campaign, money is essential. So consider donating at www.seniac4senate.com slash donate. And I definitely appreciate being with you tonight. No, man, thank you for taking the time. It was very short notice to ask you <laughs> on the podcast. And I, I really, and I'm probably going to uh, ask you on again, if that's okay with you for Absolutely. your election, because there, you know, there's just a handful of candidates that I 100% believe in. And I think that they have a real shot and I hope, I really freaking hope, and I'm praying uh, that you you can get there. Not that you have a real shot, because that's what I want to say. No, I don't. I don't pray and hope that you have a real shot. I'm praying and hoping that you get elected, because you have real obvious answers to real obvious problems that we as an American people are suffering from on a day-in and day-out basis. And that's why, like we talked about before the show, right? And we talk about it all the time. Uh, a lot of people are like, yeah, I, I kind of want to hear what somebody has to say nationally. Okay, great. Well, James Siniak is running for Senate in I, uh, Illinois. That may not affect you personally, but his ideas and his uh, promotions will actually have a national effect. And so 
James, thank you very much for coming on the show. Please uh, give us a last plug because I know you have social media <laughs> accounts, and that's kind of being the uh, the really the 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 end all be all at, sometimes in regards to being able to support you in your Senate race. So give us your uh, handles and then uh, you you know what you need from us. <laughs> <laughs> Again, thanks for having me on uh, my. Facebook, James Siniak for U.S. Senate. Uh, you can look me up there. My Twitter is Siniak number four Senate. One of the few times That's I use the number four. And definitely it's a grassroots movement. I appreciate follows. I appreciate shares. Uh, we need to get the word out. And, and that we do it by grassroots movement. Um, again, we do have paid advertisement. But nothing goes further from a personal endorsement. So if you know somebody in Indiana where I'm running, Make sure that you uh, pass on the word to them that I am running. I'm on the ballot and I'm ready to go to Washington, D.C. Amen. Thank you, James. You're absolutely incredible. Uh, I look forward to having you on the show again very, very soon. If it obviously, um, you know, does not conflict with your very freaking busy <laughs> schedule of having to run a campaign and I'm sure raise, you know, a family and, uh, a job and all that because most people don't understand that we as libertarians we don't have the advantage of being able to run a campaign solely on campaign donations like the other two major corrupt party I, did I, Morgan Dow says okay my bad I got distracted this is Indiana what did I say I think you actually said, said Illinois my neighbor said oh my but. god I'm so freaking sorry <laughs> <laughs> and that's the funny part about it too is like i questioned it when i said it i'm like no this is the one uh, like oh man ridiculous i'm so sorry indiana than illinois uh oh man it. illinois yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no illinois is absolutely out of control so please go check out james Siniak for senate the website is right there Siniak for senate.com james you're amazing bro i can't wait to have you on Again, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, me too, for sure. So you have all the information. Go follow him. Go promote him. Please, there's a lot of things you can do that a lot of people don't want to do. But there's one thing that you can that doesn't take any effort at all. And that's sharing his content. But please, for the love of God, Go and help his campaign. We have real people making real moves for real liberty and not just fake campaigns like the Republicans. I mean, I don't even have to talk about the Democrats. They hate liberty. They want it. I mean, they're, they're beyond control. They're, they're beyond any sort of sanity at this point. So what we have to do is be the voice to hold the Republicans accountable for their disgustingly horrible uh, tyrannical trash. It's probably the best way I can say it. So help a brother out, James Heniak. I will let you know as soon as I have him back on the show because this man is extremely important to the vital or vitality, I guess, of the infrastructure of liberty within the state of indiana <laughs> sorry i screwed that up earlier but 
However, regardless, here's where we're at. We have real candidates. We have real candidates making real noise, making real waves in big states. And here's one of them. And there's the link right there. So please go donate if you can. Inflation is tough. I know it is. Literally, from personal experience, I promise you, I know. I had my wife had to go get a job again, even though she's been a stay at home mom for almost three years, and I've got nothing but raises. The bills have done gotten so far out of control directly due to inflation. We have real people trying to combat this, y'all. We really do. And there's a lot of people that watch this show that aren't libertarian. So please consider going and figuring out how you can actually make positive change in this country come November in less than a month. I love you all very, very, very much. And I will see you Sunday night, same Cajun time, same Cajun channel, and I am out. Thank you.